The Mutual Recognition Agreement, MRA, has still not been signed between Europe and Switzerland. So, if you are distributing a medical device in Switzerland, you have to appoint a Swiss representative from May 26, 2021. So, Easy Medical Device is offering this service. Contact me per email at swiss at easymedicaldevice.com. Swiss, S-W-I-S-S, at easymedicaldevice.com. And we'll try to help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today, we are celebrating a party. <laughs> so today, uh, or this week was the, um, I mean, last week, because we are uh, having this episode uh, after uh, after the, the date of application week. So uh, last week, we had the date of application for the EUMDR, and we we're all kind of celebrating this party. So uh, we'll talk a lot about that today. So um, this uh, June update will provide you a lot of information about what happened uh, last month or this month, uh, and uh, what will happen maybe also in future, because there are a lot of things that are ongoing. Uh, so first, as we said, so uh, we were celebrating the date of application. Uh, so there were many countries or many health authorities that uh, publish some information on their website to uh, celebrate uh, the new medical device regulation and uh, explain also how it will be going. So mainly we have countries like uh, Portugal, like Spain, uh, like Belgium also that uh, had some messages on their website. Uh, and you can see that directly on the show notes. So I will provide you all the, all the information about that. Uh, what we had also we had a bye-bye party uh, with uh, Florian uh, Tolkmit. So who um, was organizing this bye-bye party where we were having a lot of people there who were saying goodbye to the MDD, to the Medical Device Directive, and to the AIMDD, uh, Active Implantable Medical Device Directive. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of people there. Uh, you can see maybe the picture that I will show you that I, I took wh while I was there. Uh, and uh, there was also some panelists that were explaining um, what happened uh, I mean, uh, the fact that they were there when it was created, when the MDD or the AI MDD was created, and the fact that what it changed also to their life and how this kind of adventure went on. So I couldn't tell anything about NDD mainly myself because when this was created, so I was still studying, so I'm, st I'm still young. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, so mainly uh, we had, for example, uh, Dario uh, Pirovano, we had Elizabeth Kvoller, we had Martin Witter from Tufsud, we have Gert Boss, uh, we have uh, Sabina Oekstra van den Bosch, we had Hans Heidel and Eric Vorbrecht that were uh, talking about uh, MDD or what happened with the MDD. So the stories were great. I don't think there was any recording, so I, I'm not sure if we have to ask maybe Florian for, for that. But yeah, it was really a great, a great party just to remember the MDD, how it was started and uh, celebrate then also the, um, I cannot say the word because apparently during this party, you couldn't say the word 
<laughs> which is different from MDD because uh, if you say that you had to drink, if I can say some, uh, some your glass of wine or whatever. So um, yeah, so we had this good uh, party and I really thank uh, everybody that was joining there because it was great also to see that there was um, a lot of gathering for this kind of, uh, of event. Uh, after that, so mainly what we can say about uh, that this month about MDR is the fact that um, there was also a lot of education that was displayed uh, this month about that. And I don't know why this month, because I suppose this education should have been displayed a lot of uh, months before or years before. Uh, but we had, for example, the French authority, the ANSM, that had a two-hour webinar to explain the EU MDR. Uh, it was a great video. So if you want to go, also the link is on the show notes. Uh, there was a lot of information about uh, what is MDR, how it is working, etc., etc. So it's in French for those that are speaking French. We had also DG Health that has a, had also a two-hour webinar. Um, strange because it says webinar for patients. It was mainly explaining, I suppose, the safety and the performance of the new medical device regulation. But when I watched it, it, there was a lot of terms that were not layman person terms. So I was not sure if really the, the, the audience or the, the targeted population for this kind of webinar is more the patients or the, the layman person. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's great tools to educate about EUMDR and how this is working, which is mainly what we are expecting and what we are doing since uh, many years now. Um, what else? We had also this month the UDI help desk. Uh, so uh, it's a, a new website, a new web page that was issued where uh, there are a lot of information or informations about UDI, how it is working, why we have some issuing entities, etc. etc. Uh, so this is something that uh, can provide you some support. I have also my webpage, so easymedicaldevice.com slash UDI, where there is all the information about uh, UDI. Um, but I also placed there uh, a link to the UDI help desk. Uh, in this UDI help desk, you can also submit some requests. I suppose you can ask some questions about UDI or if you have some difficulties or if the information is not on the, on the website so that, yeah, they can maybe provide this information uh, directly on the website. So don't hesitate also to go on the show notes and you'll find the link for the UDI help help desk uh, where you can ask your question about UDI. If you have also a question about UDI, don't hesitate, go to my uh, to my page or ask uh, ask me on LinkedIn if you have any question about that, we can really help you, help you for it. Um, the next topic is about EMDN, so the new nomenclature, the European Medical Device Nomenclature, which is replacing the GMDN and which was, which is using as a source the CND, which is the nomenclature, the Italian nomenclature. So um, they have actually also published a website, a web page for the EMDN, uh, which shows the EMDN codes for each products and categories. And this web page is more for a consultation in terms of the traduction, translation of some of the terms that are used um, or if maybe those terms are not uh, good for you or for uh, the type of devices that you have. So you can go there and you can suggest a translation uh, for your country or translation for your type of device uh, so that it, it is maybe more suitable for you. So it's also a good place where you can look at uh, the different categories of products of the nomenclature and identify also the codes that should be used uh, within, I mean, when you need that. So when you need the nomenclature for a medical device, you can go directly to this page and also get which number, the number that is maybe uh, suitable for you. So what is done is that, well, it's good also, you can place some keywords 
uh, on the on the page and then it provides you the, the one that are maybe suitable for you. So um, I tried it. I used many keywords for finding some 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 of the products. So it's why maybe the the translation, the suggestion, the translation of the uh, for that is helpful because maybe the keywords that you will use for your device is not specifically listed. So then to find your device and to find that the nomenclature for your device can be maybe difficult. So I tried it and I saw the difficulty also. So this is maybe a good thing that you are participating to this consultation and then provide your uh, information about about that. Um, again, we had again uh, some education from countries so we have Ireland that also created the um, the new uh, EU device legislation information pack uh, which is also a good document it's like an ebook uh, where it's a, a lot of information about uh, MDR how it's working there I like also the table that they have made about economic operators it shows the roles and responsibilities what they have to check and not to check etc so um, this also is a good documentation for you to learn about uh, EU MDR the HPRA is really providing also a lot of uh, resources regarding the EUMDR. They had made a lot of uh, also uh, um, brochures or uh, ebooks about that. So don't hesitate to go to the HPRA uh, website. And here you have also the link on the, on the show notes. Um, something that is also happening <laughs> in the other side of the world uh, within Australia. Uh, so Australia, which is following closely what is happening in Europe related to the medical device regulation and medical device directive also before. Uh, so what they were doing is that they are changing or making opening a consultation now it's closed but they were opening a consultation on changing the medical device classification following the EUMDR publication so as there were some change on the EUMDR they were asking if uh, we should not change also their classification for their products uh, to follow what is done on the EUMDR so there was some uh, consultation related to the uh, medical device used in a direct contact with the heart uh, with the central circulation or central nervous system, medical devices uh, as a substance introduced into the body via body orifice or applied up to the skin. So um, this is a new rule that is also uh, on the Annex 8 of the UMDR. We have the spinal implantable medical devices that were went from 2B to 3 now. So there are these consultations. So you can also see that on the show notes. So you see that the impact of the EUMDR is really um, not only in Europe, it's really all, uh, all over the world, if I can say. So it's why it's really important that you are really following what is ongoing now with the EUMDR, because I suppose a lot of countries will try to align also to the EUMDR. This alignment will help also the exchange of devices uh, without any barrier uh, related to that. What we also learned is about a group that was created, uh, which is called JAMS, um, which is the Joint Action on Market Surveillance of Medical Devices. So it's a group of regulators within different European countries, which were working to help, if I can say, coordinate uh, this EUMDR uh, this transition. So there were some uh, work package group related to coordination of this group, about dissemination of information from this group and evaluation of the information also. Um, there were also some groups related to the inspection of manufacturers. So many uh, countries will try to define some harmonized rules uh, to, um, to inspect manufacturers. So when there is a competent authority that wants to inspect a manufacturer because of some maybe issues, uh, the point is how they are doing this inspection, that they are following the same rules and that there is no kind of difference here between uh, the different countries. Uh, so there were, for example, six uh, workshops organized, uh, seven face-to-face -face meetings, uh, um, an establishment of a process for 
this uh, joint inspection of manufacturers. Uh, there was also a work package related to clinical process and resource development, uh, where we had here some communication platforms that were created, some training strategy uh, for clinical data assessment. So. Yeah, we had this group of with countries. MHRA was initially also included there, but I suppose because of Brexit, they had to, to get out. Then France was also there, Ireland, uh, there are different countries. So you can see this, uh, they call that a layman report, so many easy to read report uh, from the JAMS, uh, which is also available on the, on the show notes. So there you can see all the actions that were implemented and also the result from those actions. Uh, but I think, yeah, if we arrive to this point also with the EUMDR, it's also because because of people like that that were really working together to make uh, some to create some kind of harmonization between the different uh, countries. Okay, so EUMDR had some good, if I can say, some good aspects, uh, but has also some different aspects that are impacting some countries. So first, uh, we had. Uh, discussed a lot during this um, this podcast about Turkzit and Swigzit. So now we are, if I can say, the 26th of May 2021. So ha what happened for Turkzit and Swigzit? So first, um, we for Turkzit, for example, we were not hearing anything and we are, we are also asking uh, if somebody knows about what's happening, if there is a, uh, an agreement that is signed or whatever that is ongoing and we had no, um, no communication at all from anybody. But surprisingly, the 26th of May 2021, we received the information that, okay, it's done. <laughs> The deal is done between Europe and Turkey. The custom agreement uh, is signed and everything is fine. And here we have the letter, so I can show that to you also because uh, I find it also, there is no official source, but the only source where I find this letter is uh, on the uh, Team NB website. Uh, so on this letter, it says that we are pleased to inform you that final steps to update the EU-Turkey custom union for medical devices, including the signing of an administrative arrangement for the transfer of personal data between the European Commission and the Turkish Medicine and Medical Device Agency, and the Customs Union Joint Committee statement confirming Turkey's alignments with the EU Medical Device Regulation 2017-745 have been concluded. This confirms the continued integration of Turkey to the EU market on medical devices and the facilitation of trade. As previously mentioned, a similar alignment to enable the continuation of EU-Turkey custom union for in vitro diagnostic devices will follow. So many, it's done for the EUMDR, not for the EU IVDR, but this is ongoing. So this was really a surprise because, as I said, we didn't heard about that any, any at any time, but. Yeah, here is the letter, here is what it says. So, uh, but as I said, I also checked on the uh, European Commission uh, website and I didn't get any source uh, that uh, that shows this letter. So I get I got this letter just on the Team NB website and I will put the link also on the on the show notes. Um, the other surprise for me <laughs> was mainly the Swixit because as we expected that there was some ongoing arrangement between Europe and Switzerland, I mean, they are best friends, if I can say. Um, no, at the end, there was no arrangement at all. So from the 26th of May, 2021, Switzerland is out of the European Union for medical devices. Uh, so they are considered like a third country, like uh, China, USA, Brazil, or whoever that is outside of Europe. So it means that they have to appoint, they have to have a, 
uh, uh, importer, I mean manufacturers in Switzerland have to have an importer or an authorized representative in Europe unless they have a valid MDD certificate then they can continue uh, to sell their products in Europe during this this time but for the others they have to have an importer and in, an authorized representative if they want to sell their products to Europe. So surprise and then also we have the information from the Swiss government that says okay now we have no access anymore to the data the personal data or the data from the European Union so we have now created our own um, if I can say really law which is really similar to the UMDR but for now for Switzerland and there are also some requirements there where you have um, if you are a manufacturer that is not located in Switzerland um, and uh, that you have to appoint an authorized representative in Switzerland. This is one thing that is mentioned there. Then the IR, the authorized representative, should register within the Swiss Medic within three months after he has um, authorized the products to enter to be placed on the on the Swiss market. But I don't know why on the Article 104 of the Medicinal uh, Ordinance, so it says that if you are in the European Union or your authorized representative is in the European Union, then you have to appoint the Swiss IR within a different delay. So it means that before they say you have to and within three months you have to, now it says, but if you are in Europe or your authorized representative is in Europe, which is normally the case for any manufacturer that is selling his products in, in Europe, he has to have an authorized representative in Europe. If your authorized representative is in Europe, then you have a delay which is like for class three, and implantables class 2B and um, active implantable medical device. Um, then it's uh, until the 31st of December 2021 for class 2B non-implantable and class 2A uh, from the 31st of March uh, 2022 and for class 1 from the 31st of July 2022. So men, mean, meaning I suppose that it means that you can continue to sell your products to Switzerland um, without having an authorized representative, but you have to have an authorized representative and you have to inform the authority three months after this authorized representative placed the device on the market. So does it mean that you can wait until the 31st of, um, of December 2021 to start to work with an authorized representative or should you start now, etc.? So a bit confusing this thing, but okay. Then you have also, um, you know that within the UMDR, you have to have a SRN number, so a serial number that is used to identify a company and economic operator. So here, the Swiss has created also its, its SRN, Swiss SRN number. So you have also to register within Swiss Medic. So there is a formula that is mentioned and everything is on the show notes also, uh, where you have to register yourself within the Swiss, um, uh, Swiss Medic, so to get your SRN number also. And if you are selling products to the Swiss market, you have to notify the Swiss authority uh, when you are selling a certain type of devices. First, if you are a class 2A, class 2B or class 3 device, uh, there is no need for notification because it is CE mark and they accept CE mark product. But if you are a custom made device, you have to notify them. There is a formula for that. If you are a repackaged or relabeled medical device, then you have to inform them. If you are, uh, if it is a, a health authority, a health facility, healthcare facility that is manufacturing and using a device, uh, so I suppose there are 
doing devices within some hospitals, creating some devices. They have also to inform the Swiss authorities. If your device is class one, not class one air, class one two A, two B, etc. If it's pure class one, then you have also to uh, inform the Swiss authority. Uh, if you have a system and procedure pack, if you have a devitalized human tissue, etc., you have also to inform the Swiss authority as soon as you place your device on the market for the first time. Um, so this is new rules that everybody has to follow and this is something that I suppose will raise still a lot of questions and I will follow up with anything that um, that can happen within this uh, this information so I hope yeah uh, I hope this will be signed soon because the idea is not really to to keep this situation for a long time but for now this is the situation in case you need a Swiss authorized representative so easy medical device located in Switzerland we can do a Swiss authorized representative for you so don't hesitate to contact us at swiss at easymedicaldevice.com Swiss, S-W-I-S-S at easymedicaldevice.com and we'll be happy to help you. And as I said, we are following what is happening in Switzerland. So if there is any changes or whatever, we can still inform you about the situation there. Okay, what about now? Okay, MDR, let's let's close MDR. I mean, no, let's not close MDR, but for the hot topics, we'll continue with, uh, we'll stop here with MDR and we'll talk about IVDR. So. IVDR, we have now one year to implement IVDR. And we discovered within the Team NB website also that there is a document that is talking about conformity assessment of class D devices, which is the highest class of IVDR. So it was really surprising because they were talking about uh, regulatory infrastructure for uh, class D devices, which was not really available. And they were providing some suggestions. So, but they are saying mainly, for example, that the timeline for assessment by a notified body of a class D device is about from nine months to 12 months or so one year to make just an assessment of, of everything. So without counting the time that you need to create the documentation and to send that to them and maybe also maybe some question and answer that will be uh, done in between. So already like one year or more from nine months to one year to get an assessment of your class D device. So we had also a lot of class D device that were self-certified before and now that become class D. So it's more, it's going from having no contact with the notified body at all to having the highest level of contact with the notified body. So this is why the team NB uh, is really raising concern about that because mainly there is, it's a big gap, if I can say. Uh, so um, actually, from what he says on this document, no class D device was accepted by any notified body for now. No, no class D device was reviewed by any notified body. I suppose maybe you applied for your class D device, but we are waiting to see what's happening. So what is the notified body position? They will start to accept class D devices when the common specification are available and when the in vitro diagnostic expert panel are, is operational. So mainly this is something that is apparently not the case. So this is something that they are looking for. The priority when they will start their assessment is about the devices that are up classified. So from self-certified to class D because mainly this is the one that needs most of the support. Uh, for class D devices that, not, that are not meeting the common specification. So there are some common specification uh, the notified body is reviewing your products. He finds that you are not meeting the common specification. So he can still provide you the certificate uh, waiting that the transition period for the common specification is over. And during that time, you will have to comply with the common specification. So this is something that is important to understand for you if you are in that situation. Uh, for class D devices without common specification, so they are not published, um, 
they will be reviewing the application on a case by case uh, situation. So mainly, yeah, it depends on what, what they have as a priority there. And normally the validity of your certificate is five years, but the notified body says we can decide to reduce that to two or three or four years because mainly um, the objective is really to enhance a post certification monitoring. So to check that you are still doing correctly with your device. And you can imagine that a self certified product that never had a notified body, that don't know the kind of review that is done every year, the check that they have to do maybe uh, is, is completely new for them. So I can imagine that getting from self-certification to class D with the highest level of scrutiny is really a lot and they will maybe not know immediately what to do. So it's why maybe they will give them some, some kind of uh, uh, graduation here on saying, okay, we give you two years of certification and maybe three next year, et cetera, uh, for, for that. So let's, let's, let's see what, how it is going. So, um, and this is information that is provided. Um, it's a position of the notified bodies, but they say to do that, we have also to have some uh, conditions and they are listing those conditions in the report. So if you are, uh, IVD manufacturer of a class D device. So I really advise you to look at that and to read that to understand the situation uh, because yeah, there are, you can maybe understand then the situation of some of your notified bodies and why they cannot really answer to you immediately regarding your type of devices. Okay, so let's talk now about our preferred topic, which is notified bodies. Um, so um, we have now MDR uh, and as of today, I mean, as of now, the number of notified bodies has not changed since last month. So we are still at 20 notified bodies for uh, EUMDR and four notified bodies for IVDR. So there was no change. We don't know if this will be changing too much or not, but mainly, yeah, this is actually the situation. So uh, we'll see now if there is really some kind of um, issues for some manufacturers because the certificate under NDD will be um, over by 2024 maximum. So it means that during now this transition period that we have now, uh, there will be a lot of companies that will lose their certification. They will lose their certificate because it's expiring and then they will have, they will need the support of a notified body uh, for, for that. So um, I suppose that now yeah, is the, the right moment to raise the number of notified bodies because there will be a lot that, are, that will be asking. We have also some notified bodies that are now um, valid under MDD. So they continue to, um, to be here to back up MDD certificate but they are not moving to MDR or they are still on the pipe for MDR. So for those manufacturers, if they are under those, those companies, those notified bodies, they can be at risk if their notified body is not EU MDR accredited uh, by the date of the certificate expiry. So it's really important for you to understand Article 120 that is talking specifically about this transition period. And one thing that is important, as we told you also, I mean, I told you many times and we have a podcast uh, for that also, during this time now from the 26th of May 2021 to the 26th of May 2024, during this period, if you are doing any significant change and you are still under MDD, then the, the date you are doing the change and you are implementing the change, the significant change, you are 
you have to apply EUMDR. So it should not be a surprise for you. It means that any change has to be evaluated before to define if this change will really uh, move you from MDD to MDR because then you, even if your certificate expires later, you will have to transition to EUMDR immediately and then your notified body should be also informed, etc., etc. So be careful of that. Significant change is mainly the risk that can happen to you now that your team are not informed. So train your team on what is the significant change so that each time there is a change, they can evaluate if this is uh, uh, this is a significant change or not. Okay, so now about standards and guidance. So what are the guidances that are issued? We have many MDCG guidance that were issued. We have the MDCG 2021-9, which is a position paper on the implementation of UDI requirements for contact lenses, spectacle frames, uh, spectacle lenses, and ready readers. We had already uh, a guidance on that, or MDCG guidance, which is the 2020-18. Uh, um, so the information from this new guidance is not really changing anything. It's just saying that you have to follow the UDI requirements related also to the dates uh, of implementation of the UDI, which is not really changing anything. So I don't know Yeah, if there is, I mean, I read it, I looked at it, and I didn't find anything that was helping me on anything. For me, I consider spectacle fronts or lenses or whatever, same as any other device. So it's why I, I don't know. So if you have any comments, don't hesitate, tell me, because maybe I missed a line there, so, so tell me if there is anything that I, I missed about this one. Okay, now let's talk about the MDCG 2021-8, which is about clinical investigation application notification document. This is a document, uh, a guidance, where there, there are a lot of formulas or documents attached to it. Why? Because normally, if you are running a clinical investigation, you have to register your information inside UDAMED, so the database. But the UDAMED module for clinical investigation is not live. So as it's not live, you have to find another solution for that. And the other solution is for you to fill the formula, so documents that you can then send to your authority. So um, if you are running a clinical investigation, then I would advise you to look at this document and to uh, evaluate really if you need uh, to fill that, to send that to the, your health authority. But you need from now to follow EUMDR. And then from now, you have also to follow all those requirements that are mentioned inside this MDCG guidance. So don't hesitate to go to the MDCG 2021-8. Then we have the MDCG 2021-7, which is a notice to manufacturers and authorized representative on the impact of genetic variants on SARS-CoV-2 in vitro diagnostic medical devices. So this is a document that is just informing you. Be careful, you are selling now some COVID tests, uh, but maybe because of those variants of the, the COVID, so maybe those tests are not anymore valid or not anymore uh, efficient. So you have to update your products or your documentation or things to meet, if I can say, the, the requirements of the, the current healthcare situation. So it means that, yeah, what it was valid before is maybe not anymore valid now. And the performance that you had before is maybe not anymore um, good now. So you have to maybe reevaluate that. So it's only for companies or manufacturers that are creating those type of devices. So be careful. Um, yeah, if you have any uh, antigenic or uh, any uh, COVID test, you have to keep up to date all the information related to your product and to confirm that your product is still performant regarding the, he the current healthcare situation. And lastly, we have the 
IMDRF, which is a global organization that is uh, guiding, uh, creating some guiding documents related to uh, medical devices in vitro diagnostic, etc. And uh, this IMDRF created a PMCF study guidance uh, where it's talking about how to uh, perform a PMCF study mainly. So it's pro providing the information first on the circumstances where a PMCF study uh, may be indicated, then the elements of a PMCF study, so what is really inside, and the use of information from PMCF study, so how you can use the data that you have uh, received from your PMCF study for proving that maybe your device is, is fine or not. So this is maybe a, a something important for you if you are willing to create a PMCF study or also if you want to justify for not having a PMCF study because maybe uh, you are not fulfilling the, the requirements that were mentioned mentioned here. So this is a document that can be really helpful and as usual um, a lot of guidances that even the MDCG created or even the UMDR is, is following uh, are coming from the IMDRF so uh, all what is said by this on this guidance is really something that you, you should maybe follow. Don't hesitate as I said to go on the show notes and then to find all those information about uh, about this uh, this uh, this document okay so what happened within the easy medical device so easy medical device has has always a podcast so during this month what we had is that we had three podcast episodes related to first the emergency use authorization within the fda uh, so when to use this pathway uh, so many this is used for for example covid19 situation for face mask for uh, tests for respirators etc and i had with me uh, michelle lot who was explaining to us that uh, sometimes it's not really worth uh, to go to this pathway because a 510k anyway you will have to have a 510k or something else uh, uh, on the side so and sometimes the requirements for a 510k and a, uh, emergency use authorization so EUA is the same so at the end maybe it's not worth it to really go through that pathway and this is maybe something that is really important for you to, to understand then we had um, a podcast episode with Eric Volbrecht which is MDGI is coming brace yourself so we had uh, the last minute questions that we are trying to answer uh, about uh, about UMDR so it's still something that you can go and uh, listen to uh, because yeah here we have really a lot of information for example uh, Eric was saying that from the 26th of May you have to have a PRRC even if you are MDD company so um, my question do you have a PRRC if you have some question about PRRC don't hesitate to contact me and I can really help you help you on that um, lastly we had uh, another episode which is with uh, Catherine Higginson from Climedo Health uh, so last year they had made a, a, a survey about EUMDR and this year they have made again a survey about EUMDR to just make a, a, a review or follow up about what, what were the answers from last year to this year this year there were the survey includes also the COVID-19 situation, which is something that changed a bit the, the way the business was doing. So um, yeah, you will hear on this uh, on this episode a lot of things related also to the industry opinion about UMDR. Uh, <laughs> do we need really that? So what is your opinion about it, etc. So <laughs> the answer, some of the answers are really uh, really interesting. So don't hesitate to go and to listen again to this uh, to this episode. And in terms of live sessions, so we are, I'm still doing some, some LinkedIn live. So uh, last time the live session was about PMCF. So uh, as we talked about it uh, within the IMDRF guidance. So we had here Cesare Magri from Beyond Clinical, where we discussed about everything about PMCF. So we had people that were asking a lot of questions about PMCF. So you can go and listen to those questions and then the answers that we are providing. So all your question about uh, about PMCF will be answered within this uh, this episode. 
Then lastly, uh, so we talked about that a lot and it's here now. So Eric Verbrecht uh, has published his book, uh, so which is called uh, The Enriched uh, MDR and IVDR. And I place also a link on the show notes where you can uh, see uh, the, the blog post about this book and where you can you can get it. Uh, so yeah, we, we discussed all that, all of that also during a, a lot of our episode with Eric. So it's a document that will be really, I suppose, the Bible for a lot of uh, medical device uh, regulators because it's an annotated version of the UMDR where it's giving also some uh, some interpretation of what the text is, is providing. IVDR, MDR and IVDR. So it's not only MDR, it's MDR and IVDR. So I really uh, encourage you to get the, a copy of his uh, this ebook uh, where you can really get a lot of information and you can also learn maybe something about UMDR. And this will be really um, a good book for you in case you are really working with maybe a lot of customers with a variety of customers uh, because then, uh, yeah, it provides you information about a variety of situations that can happen to you. Okay, so um, I think, yeah, it's the end of today. So really thank you for uh, listening to this episode. Uh, yeah, we'll have now much more episodes. So we still have three years until the... Uh, the the real application of the UMDR because then from 26th of May 2024 there will be no MDD product anymore or MDD certificate anymore so we have three years still for that but we are we should continue now also to talk about IVDR as I've said this is something that is uh, is critical we have only four notified bodies for all the manufacturers that will come in through this route so it's really important that uh, you are also ready to uh, to be placing your in vitro diagnostic products on the market so don't forget to listen uh, to the podcast where we'll have also a lot of episodes about that so thank you very much for listening to this episode and I wish you really a nice day have a good day bye thanks for listening so if you like this episode please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it and also don't forget to share it with your colleagues thank you very much